Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. We are in part 1 of a brand new series titled Ghost Stories. Ghost Stories. Now, we're not talking about ghost stories like you did around the campfire when you were a kid. We're talking about Holy Ghost Stories. This Holy Spirit that is within us. Now, something that's quite interesting is that this is a topic that churches try to stay away from because when you have a church group and they're made up of people from all different past denominations, I don't know if you realize this, you all have your idea of what the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost is. We all have been taught different things. So today, as we begin this series, I want to make it clear that uh, my job uh, in this series is not to make anyone mad. It's not to uh, put someone in a defensive position. And I'm not trying to say anything about what you have been taught growing up. Uh, what I'd like to do in this series is have us look and see what the Bible says about the topic and then make, have you make the decision uh, on your own on how that works. You see, years ago, years ago, prior to Jesus coming, uh, people have seen the Holy Spirit as an occasional visitor. The Holy Spirit came upon people and for a purpose, and they did their purpose, and then the Holy Spirit left them and went on to someone else. So, you know, you would think, hey, that's pretty cool because if God wants me to do something, all of a sudden, Holy Spirit is on me and he gives me the ability to do this. Now, that's the cool part. The part that's not so cool is that when he leaves and you don't know it and you don't know why. And that was something that they were dealing with at that point. You see, here's what I, how I want us to start. God is so much more than someone you pray to when you're in trouble. God is so much more than someone you promise I'll never sin again on a Friday night. I think you know what I mean. God is so much more than someone that we sing about on Sunday morning when we come to church. You see, I, I want us to know that God is an integral part of our lives. He wants to be in our lives every day. His power, his Holy Spirit, and his presence dwells within us. And he wants to live within us. Now, a, a common question is, Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost? That's the first question, right? Which is right? You know, what do you guys think? Both of, uh, both of them. You're right. Both of them are right. It could be either one. In the Old Testament, or, or in the, I should say, the older versions of the Bible, like the King James Bible, and, and some of those versions of the Bible, they referred to it as the Holy Ghost. And then uh, the newer translations changed that to the Holy Spirit. And the reason why it was changed, because when or, the word ghost has changed over the years, the whole meaning of it is totally different. I think about children years and years ago, I mean like uh, 80 years ago, like when Ron was going to church as a young kid. I think about that, and I think, man, what must it have been like if you were a little child and someone said, would you like to receive the Holy Ghost coming into your life? I mean, coming and living into you, I'd run the other way. Because what's the Holy Ghost? What, ghost? The whole sound of ghost sounds like something spooky, something mysterious like that. But the Holy Spirit of God is not mysterious. It's not scary. It's powerful. And there's a promise given to us. Well, in this series, we're going to be talking about, about all of this. And we kind of want to focus on um, the Holy Spirit in us and how he works around us and how he works through us. And we're going to be talking about that for the next three weeks. You see, there is a power that lives within the hearts of the believers. Unfortunately, what happens is that sometimes 
we don't tap into that power. We don't live in that power. It's like having a sports car all gassed up and you never drive it. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things that it is in us and we're going to look at that because it's my hope that by the end of this series, those of you who are watching who never realized or never really understood the Holy Spirit comes away changed from the messages that you hear. Let's pray. Well, dear Heavenly Father, as we come today, Lord, we, we uh, ask that you speak to us today through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you guide us in the things that we do, that you show us, Lord, what we are to know in this message today. And Father, we pray, Lord, that, that, that you use us through the guiding and the direction of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So anytime we gather together like this, we have people from various backgrounds. And so I want you to, to take it easy. I want you to relax. Because here's what happens sometimes. In many churches, uh, we find a, a place where they go, I don't want to talk about subjects, the pastor will say. I don't want to talk about subjects that are going to offend people or make them upset because they'll run the other way. They'll run the other way. But we're not called as people to do that. In fact, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit that we're going to be talking about today is good news. It's a powerful message. It's good news. You see, the Holy Spirit is one of the most important theological truths. And it's so real today, it's, a, it's more powerful than it was hundreds of years ago. Because God is working with us through this Holy Spirit. So you remember how we started we started talking about how, how we started talking about how the Holy Spirit would go from one person to another for a purpose. And so here's how I want to start this today. I want to break it up into two parts of history, two sections of history. And we're, we're, we're talking about um, from creation, from creation to a time of Pentecost. This is a point in your notes. From creation to Pentecost, and a key word here is with. With. And we're going to talk about this because from the creation time to the Pentecost, and the Pentecost I'm talking about today is the Pentecost that came when Jesus ascended to heaven. Okay? So from creation to when Jesus ascended to heaven, that is the first part of history, and that's related to the word with. It's related to the word with because, because the Holy Spirit was with different people for a different purpose. Now, God with us. So that's what that point is. It's God with us. Now, the second part of this is after Jesus has come and he died and was resurrected and now he's going off to heaven and he's telling his disciples, I'm out of here. It's time for me to leave. It's time for me to go. It's better if I go because if I go, I'll send the, the, the counselor to come help you, to be with you. That's the second part of history. That's from Pentecost to today. And the key word is in. In. That's in your notes too, right? From Pentecost to today. And that word is in. In. Genesis chapter 1. Go to verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. You see, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit was with God and was hovering over the water. 
It was directed that way. That's what was happening. Now turn to or look at Exodus 32 verses 1 or verses 2 and 3. It says this. See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, from the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. Now, here's a, here's a time when the Spirit of the Lord was put on someone to, to, to be able to be creative, to be able to do art and to do sculpting and doing these things. And the Holy Spirit came upon him for that purpose. Numbers chapter 11, verse 25. The Lord came down in a cloud and spoke with him and took some of the power of the Holy Spirit or of the Spirit that was on him and put it on 70 elders. When the Spirit rested on them, the prophesy, they prophesied, but did not do so again. You see, we're seeing here the Spirit of God moving from one to another to another for a purpose. And now in this story, these 70 elders were, were helpers of Moses. And God put the Spirit on them to be able to assist and help Moses to carry out his mission. Judges 6.34. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. You remember Gideon, right? He was the one who saw himself as the, as the weakest of the weak. And, uh, and God calls him a mighty warrior. Uh, so that was, uh, so the, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet, summonsing the Abizrites, uh, 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 yeah, that one, uh, to follow him. The Holy Spirit comes on Gideon to make him a powerful warrior. Now look what happens next Judges 13, 24, and 25. A woman gave birth to a boy and his name named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Now you remember Samson in the story, right? He's the one who got the bad haircut. He had all the strength, had his haircut, and then he had no strength anymore, right? That's what happened. Now look what happens. First uh, uh, Samuel 16, 13. So Samuel took a horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. David, David and Goliath, King David. Here's, here's this David there, and the Spirit of the Lord came on him so powerfully. You see, people through that time Sometimes they would have the Spirit on them, and sometimes they wouldn't. And sometimes they would know, and sometimes they wouldn't. Look at the rest of that Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 16, 14. Look at the 14th verse. The Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. Saul was a king. He had the Spirit of the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord departed from him. Now in verse 16, or chapter 16, verse 20, it says this, Then she called Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. I think that would be bad. Right? If you think you're following God, God is with me, and I can do whatever I want. This was the, during this time. And now you go out there and you go, I'm going to shake this stuff off, and nothing happens. Uh-oh. Right? That is bad news. Something bad is going on. Something's happening. Now, that's in the Old Testament, and we've seen there's many, many examples of of Holy Spirit coming for a purpose and leaving. 
And now, right at the end of the whole Testament is this book uh, called the book of Joel. Joel. Joel was a prophet. And God showed him something, and he revealed something to him that was quite interesting. Here, let's look at it. Afterwards, he says, I will pour out, this is God speaking, afterwards, I would pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servant, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Joel was given a preview of something that was going to happen. You see, normal people like you and like me would receive the Holy Spirit in our lives. I think I said this in a different message last week, that God used ordinary people to do extraordinary things for an extraordinary God. And today, it's the same thing. We're saying here that God, through the Holy Spirit, can communicate to us and lead us in a way that we're doing extraordinary things for him, and we're just ordinary people. Psalms 51.11. David found himself sinning with Bathsheba. And he was so concerned. He was so worried that God was going to remove the spirit from him. And so this is what he says. Psalms 51, 11. Do not cast me from your presence to take your Holy Spirit from me. You see, he was concerned that that would happen. And Joel then tells this story. In John chapter 16, we begin to see a change, that something is happening. It begins to talk about the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit of God that lives within us. Jesus is at the height of his ministry. It's amazing because here he is for three years. He's walking around. He, he speaks like no one has ever spoken. He challenges religious leaders like no one has ever challenged them. He does miracles and, and it, it mesmerizes people. They see things happening and they, they just don't, can't believe it. Wherever he goes, thousands of people are following him around. But Jesus still likes to be with a small group of people. He likes being with his disciples. And so here he is with them. Now for a minute, just stop for just a second. Now, you're one of the disciples. You've been walking with him for three years. You find yourself in this place and you've seen Jesus work these miracles. You've seen him do all these things. And now Jesus says, gotta go, see ya, bye. What do you think? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We've been following you all this time. I think that they were worried. I know that they were. What's going to happen now? What's going to happen now that you're leaving? Uh, John 16, uh, verses 5 and 7 through 7. But now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are still with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I I go away, the advocate, right? Some Bibles say the advocate. The advocate, 
Some Bibles say the helper. Some say the counselor. Some say the comforter. Some say the Holy Spirit. But it's the Holy Spirit will not come to you because if I go, but if I go, I will send him to you. So stop there a second. So this story's going on, and you're a fisherman, or you're a tax collector, or you're just a normal Joe off the street, or Jane off the street, and now the Holy One that you've come to follow is leaving. But he says, don't worry. Don't worry. It's not going to be a problem. It's better for you that I go. Are you kidding me? It's better for you. It's better for me that you go. I don't want you to go. I want, I want you to stay here. And God says, no. Jesus says, no. It's better that I go. How does that work? Why would Jesus say that? Here's the story. In John chapter 13, 14, and 15, Jesus has been trying to tell the disciples, I'm leaving. I'm leaving soon. But they don't want to hear it. So now he's leaving, and he catches them off guard. Why? Because they didn't want to listen to him. Here's what Jesus knew. Jesus came in human form, and his human body was stopping what God wanted to have done because he was one person. He was still in the flesh. He still had one fleshly body. Now, everybody's watching, and, and Jesus or, or the, the Spirit of God would go on one person and then go on another and another, but God's ministry is huge. You see, now if Jesus leaves, the Holy Spirit can come on all of us and be with all of us. Now, so we think of Jesus, it wouldn't have been cool if Jesus would have stayed here. I mean, if Jesus would have just stayed here, you and I would have been watching uh, Fox News and they would have had reports every day or CNN or whatever you watch. Uh, uh, and they would have said, what's Jesus up to today? He's healing people in Kentucky. He's now flying to Chicago, or he's doing this or doing that. You see, Jesus could only be in one place at a time. So what's Jesus up to? We can have him on Twitter, and we can follow him on Twitter, right? Uh, Facebook, he can send us Facebook stuff, right? Do all of those things. But yet, he would still be one place or another. Uh, and, and so say he wanted to settle down and, he, and he, came, he wanted to go to church. Where would he go to church? Prescott Valley Bible Church, he'd go to Prescott. He would come here, of course, right? He would come here. We would even let him preach once in a while, right up here. Well, probably more than once in a while. But he would be here. Well, then you say, well, wait a minute. So, so he comes here to church. He comes here to church, and now it's time church is over. It's time for him to go home. Who's Jesus going to go home with? Don't say me. Don't say you, because I'm the pastor. He's going to go home with me. If he's going home with anybody, he's coming to my house, right? Because I want him to be there with me. You see, God's plan was much bigger. It wasn't his plan for us to always be in a place where where God is here and then God is there and God is... People still think today that they come to church to see God. And the truth is, when you come to church, you're bringing God with you because God lives in you. You see, isn't it simple when we start thinking about the presence of God, if you want the presence of God, it's in you. If you're in Christ today, if you've accepted the Lord as your Savior, we're, we're going to talk about that more. But uh, I, people get confused sometimes. I don't know if you know this or not, but sometimes people say, I, I've been to that church and the Holy Spirit is not there. <laughs> 
and you go, the Holy Spirit's not there. Are there Christians there? Yes. If there are Christians there, the Holy Spirit is there because they brought him with them. So if you ever go to a church, that means and you say the Holy Spirit's not there. You know what I'm saying? Here's what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit is not there because nobody there is Christian and neither are you. How is that? That's hard for people to get that because the statement that the Holy Spirit is not there is not true. Because the Holy Spirit lives within us. You see, all of us will leave here today and go home and Jesus will come with us in my car and in your car and all of our cars. And we don't, he doesn't have to, we don't have to fight over him. We don't have to do that. But I do think that if he was here, he would still come to PVBC. I think he would come here for sure, for sure. Here's the point in your notes. Jesus came not only to give his life for us, but he also came to give his life to us. Right there at that point is where most pastors will stop preaching. That's where the message ends for many people. Because here's what I could say as a pastor and not get in trouble. The Holy Spirit's real, and everybody would agree with that. The, the Holy Spirit is active throughout history. We have just looked at Bible verses that say that. And the Holy Spirit is available to you and to me. And Jesus said that. We, we've, we've read that in the book. Now here's what I want you to hear me say. Knowing those three things that I just said changes nothing. It doesn't change a thing. You can know it all you want. But we have to move from being knowledge-based to being transformed. The Word of God needs to transform our lives. Information is one thing. Transformation is something else. Okay, great. So here's the big, here's the million-dollar question. How do you get transformed? How do I become a Christian? What is it that I need to do? The Bible tells us. The Bible tells us this. Now here's the first thing I'm going to say as I tell you what the Bible says. God could give his Holy Spirit to anyone, anytime, anywhere he wants. He doesn't have to ask me and he doesn't have to ask you. He could give us the Holy Spirit any way he wants to. But in our, in our Bible, it tells us how you receive the Holy Spirit. Now here's what I want you to know. The way we receive the Holy Spirit is different than the way the original, the first disciples received the Holy Spirit. But it's not the way that we're supposed to receive it. It's not meant for us. So here in this story, it's going to be in Acts chapter 2. Jesus is getting ready to ascend to heaven. Jesus has been buried He's been raised from the dead. He's already ascended into heaven, and he has a message for his followers. Go to Jerusalem together and go and wait, and the Holy Spirit will come to you. And the Holy Spirit will come with power, and you'll be my witnesses throughout the whole earth. So that's what the disciples did. They go to Jerusalem, and they wait. Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. Suddenly, a sound like the, the blowing of a, of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that, separate, that, that separated and came uh, to, the, to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So let's stop there for a minute. 
that Holy Spirit that the prophet Joel talked about is this Holy Spirit. The one that Jesus promised is this Holy Spirit. And it's the one that's promised in the New Testament to come on ordinary people. Now, so the first ones to receive this Holy Spirit for eternity were these disciples, and they received it in an upper room. Now, it's not meant for us to do that. Because as I read from Peter, Peter, who was one of the ones who received the Holy Spirit, now, here's the deal. He's speaking to a group of people. And it says in here that 3,000 of them were saved. They accepted the Lord and were saved and they were baptized, right? They were baptized and saved. Peter doesn't say to them, okay, you want to receive the Holy Spirit because now he's talking to them. Well, let me, let me show you this. Acts 2, 37. When the people heard uh, that they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter, the apostle, brothers, what shall we do? So Peter's telling them about the Holy Spirit, about God, and they were cut to the heart. What should we do? How do we receive the Holy Spirit? Now, the next portion of this, I don't read Peter saying, here's what I want everybody to do. Go and find an upper room and wait there for wind and fire to come in. And when you start speaking in tongues, then the Holy Spirit is upon you. He doesn't say that. Here's what he says, Acts 2, verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And what does that say next? What does that say next? And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not you might not maybe you're going to, not hopefully. You need to repent and be baptized. Now, in this, Peter had received the gift of the Holy Spirit differently than he's telling them, but it doesn't change how he says God wants them to receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, verse 39. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And then he goes on to say this in verse 41. Those who accept his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number. Verse 47. Praise God. And enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Daily, adding numbers, ordinary people accepting Christ and being baptized. Go back to verse 38 for a second. Acts 2:38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, in that verse right there, circle that word repent if you can in your notes. Circle that word repent. Now, a pastor I know, Scott, his name is Scott, Scott Pixler, good pastor, uh, told a story about this word repent. One day he was on a trip and he went to England with his family for a vacation. He's driving down the road and he's driving down the road and he makes a turn and he finds himself going the wrong way down a one-way street. He says he immediately made a 180-degree turn and went back the other way. That is the definition of repenting. You and I are down a road, we're going down a road that's the wrong way. And we say, hey, I'm going to get hurt. This is a bad thing. 
you turn yourself around and you head towards God. You, te- you, you head yourself towards the way of the Lord. That is what repenting is. So Peter says, repent and turn yourself around. Change what you're doing. Make a U-turn. Think. And the second thing he tells us to do is to be baptized. Be baptized. Circle that word baptized. That's a Greek word that... It, I'm a Greek scholar, by the way. Here's, it's a Greek word that means baptizo. You like that? Baptizo. I sound very brilliant. It's a word that means fully immersed, to be dunked, to be submerged. Peter says, stop what you're doing, turn yourself around, change your mind. Repenting is changing your mind about the way you're going, and then submerge yourself in Christ. Baptize yourself. This baptizing is the same thing that Jesus did at the Jordan, that John baptized him. So Peter says repent. That's a word called metaneo, metaneo. And that word means change your mind. It's a, it's a repenting is changing your mind. And then be baptized, baptizo, be crucified with Christ. Be dunked with him. The new birth is buried with him and raised to walk a new life. That's what we say when we baptize people. Because our sins are buried with him. And you and I, when we come out of the water, we are raised to walk a new life. Now here's the question that people are asking that are watching from home. Okay, when do you receive the Holy Spirit? When you go down in the water, halfway under? When you come up? Are you baptized? I mean, when do you actually receive the Holy Spirit in your life? Because there's a big argument about that. Why? That's my answer. Why do you want to know? If Jesus says, if Peter, the Holy Spirit, leads Peter to say, here's how you get saved, repent and be baptized, how come you're not just saying, where's the water? Let's do it. What difference does it make, right? What difference does it make if it happens when you accept Christ? Because let me tell you, it doesn't sound like a big topic, but people can get into huge fights about this. And really the answer is, who cares? If Jesus said it, we should do it. We should just do this because it's an example. What baptism is... And we had a couple of people here who were baptized, right? And, and so what baptism is, is an outward expression of an inward transformation. It's showing others what God has done in our lives. So if you want to have an argument about when the Holy Spirit comes, why do you ask? Why do you care? Because the real question is this. Can a person follow Jesus without following Jesus? Can a person really follow Jesus without following Jesus? Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. And he says to be baptized. So how can I follow him if I'm not willing to do what he has done? So the Christian life, as we start to, this, how much time do we have? Eight minutes. Oh, how's everybody? <laughs> the Christian life, as we start to wrap this up, was meant to be a life of transformation. I'm driving down the road, and I see a sign off to the side 
that says a work in progress. There's a big sign, work in progress. And the first time I saw that, I thought, you know what? That's all of us. We're a work in progress. I'm not, I'm not where God wants me to be, but I'm not where I was. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to look at our own selves and say, you know, I'm not exactly where God wants me to be yet, but I'm better than where I was. I was going the wrong way down a one-way street. I had to turn myself around. I had to make a change. You see, people battle because they say, I've messed up too much in my life and God can't transform me. And God says, no, every day is new. You could be made new. Well, here's a point in your notes. People say this. The Christian life really uh, isn't difficult. It really isn't difficult. And so here's another point. You're right. The Christian life isn't difficult. It's impossible without the Holy Spirit in your life. Because the truth is, God never intended for you and I to live a Christian life without having Christ in our life. It can't happen. You can't do it. There are people who are watching today from home, and they're saying things like, you know, this is too hard. I try to do this all the time. I try to walk the right way. I try to live a Christian life, and it's just too hard for me to do it. I've done everything I could think of. And maybe they hear this message today, or they heard our music this morning. People are watching our message now, and they're just going, that was the most fabulous sermon I've ever heard in my life. Maybe they're not saying that. I hope that they are. And they're going to say this. That's it. I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm leaving today. I'm going out today. And I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to be a transformed Christian. I'm going, I'm going to be nicer to people if it kills me. And for some people, it will kill them, right? Because some people are hard to be nice to. And they go, look, I'm, tr I'm trying to do this. When I go to work, I'm going to be nice to that boss that's not always so nice to me. Here's the thing. If you're trying to do it on your own, it's not difficult to do. It's impossible. It's impossible to do it. So the question is, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And do you know that you have the Holy Spirit living within you, living in your life? Because next week, today, I'm just trying to convince you that the Holy Spirit is in you if you're in Christ. Next week, I'm going to blow you away with the stuff I'm going to tell you. Because the power of God is living inside of each of you. And because of that truth, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He lives in you. He's going to do things through ordinary people like you or I. Amen? Okay, good. But here's the question. Do you know him today? The Bible says that the only thing you have to do is to repent and be baptized. Repent. Change your ways. Turn yourself around. We never leave our service without giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, to come into your life. I want to encourage you to repeat after me as we pray together. If you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins.
I reaped of my sins. I accept you now as my personal Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the first time, I'm asking you to change your mind maybe about the way you're living. Walk in the truth of God. Be baptized. The Holy Spirit is coming into your life and he wants to live in you, guide you, direct you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Father, for, for the Holy Spirit that lives within us, that guides us. Lord, it's your Spirit living in the hearts of every man and woman who calls themselves children of God. Father, use us, guide us, direct us. Lord, keep us safe until we come back together again. And in all things, we give you the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for being here.